Welcome to the latest edition of the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast, brought to you by Qubit, the trusted experts in analytics. Our goal is to cut through the jargon and hype around analytics and data science and share practical advice to guide you on your analytics journey. You can find us at qubit.com, that's Q-U-E-B-I-T.com. Thank you for joining me today. I'm A.G. Tan. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. I'm A.G. Tan. Now, I feel very lucky in the career I've had so far. After studying computer science in college, I spent some time as a software engineer and then got bitten by the consulting bug and eventually found my way to management, marketing, and strategy. I've loved all of it, but the very best thing, the thing that I'm most proud of, was being part of making Qubit's growth happen. And in order to do that, we had to figure out how to attract bright, talented people early in their careers and enable them to become analytics experts and data scientists. In Qubit's development program, we talk about three pillars of skills. Business and finance is number one. Number two is technology and tools. And number three, perhaps most important, is consulting craft, which includes all the soft skills. Balance between these is key. For example, you can be a great technical data scientist, but if you don't understand the business problem and business people and politics, you will not be able to reach your full potential in terms of impact. And we all want to make a difference, right? Not just live in our own silos. Meanwhile, I've noticed that more and more CEOs, CFOs, and other industry talking heads are talking about how the future of finance is to be the center of data analytics for the company, to go beyond planning and financial reporting, and in fact, drive data and analytics strategy. This means that the business and financial analysts of the future are going to acquire data science skills to enable this, in addition to everything else. Which brings me to today's podcast. Given this context, I thought it would be fun for you to meet three wonderful young people who are among Qubit's newer analytics experts. So let's start with some introductions. Odile, why don't you go first? Hi, everyone. Like AG said, I'm Odile Davis-Wolf, and I come from the background of marketing. I started in the casino gaming industry as a marketing assistant, and because of being in that arena of marketing to gamers, um, we noticed the aspect or the area of wanting to reach out to them in a more detailed way. And that kind of led me into the technological field and analytics area of the casino. There was only just one other person um, who headed that uh, department. And then I just fell right under her. And pretty much that's how I got my way into this analytic realm. Great, Odile. Thank you. Great intro. Um, Daniel, how about you go next? Hi, AG. So yeah, I got my degree uh, in accounting and information systems um, from San Jose State University. I joined uh, PwC uh, directly after college in the risk assurance practice and uh, helping with the external audit of publicly traded companies and shortly transitioned into core assurance practice uh, where I did the audit of the financial statements directly. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy to be here. 
Great. Thank you. Thank you for that intro. And last but not least, Pete. Thanks, AG. Um, yeah, my background is actually in civil and environmental engineering. I have undergraduate and master's degrees in civil engineering, and I did uh, water resources design and civil site design before joining Qubit. So actually, the skills you mentioned in the intro, I, I really had little experience in computer and data science or in the finance field, but I, I was a consultant uh, before joining Qubit. So dealt with clients and, and their needs and their projects um, and basically was trained to turn, uh, turn their visions into realities. So for my first question, um, which I'm going to direct at Daniel first. So although your careers as Qubit analytics consultants are still in their early stages, you've already had the opportunity to work on customer projects. So can you tell us about something you were involved in on a project that you learned from or, or got insights from? Yeah, definitely. Um, not too long ago, I worked on with a client that's a global aircraft supplier and uh, we helped simplify their sales and gross margin forecasting process. So the, the issue that we saw for our client was just a, a matter of efficiency and lack of clarity in their forecasting process. Uh, they were using these large weighty Excel sheets um, to forecast sales volume and price uh, for over like 1500 jet engine parts, um, which led to large uh, Excel files and they would crash and you know take hours to make simple changes and, and really just dilute the, the communication between departments and entities and their parent company. So uh, by implementing a centralized planning uh, solution that's accessible from the web, um, we were able to implement standard standardized business logic uh, in which we reduced the time spent in you know, retrieving financial results uh, for the month and creating a valuable sales and gross margin forecast. And uh, at the end, overall, we estimate about a 50% time savings yielding about about 30k uh, in dollar savings per year so and, and that's just on the um, just on the reviews and you know time getting uh, the forecast ready so uh, it's a great project no that sounds like a like a great experience um you mentioned the notion of of centralizing business logic as being one of the benefits of, of what you implemented so so just to make sure you know I'm on the same page here. So would that be, for example, you know, sometimes when people do forecasting or planning in Excel, they'll build some very complicated Excel formulas and Excel logic. And then if they have a lot of departments that are using the same model, they've got lots and lots of Excel sheets that have copies of all of these formulas. And it's very easy for one of them to get broken or for someone to make a mistake. And so by centralizing business logic, are you talking about sort of taking you know, the equivalent of those formulas and, and putting them in a central control place so that, you know, it can't break anymore? Exactly, exactly. So we would take uh, an example report or, you know, in our requirements gathering with the client, understand exactly what they need in terms of analytics, uh, metrics, and, and data and code that into the centralized planning tool. So, um, you, you know, give them direct insight to just input their data, however they see fit, either manually or through some type of uh, 
trans transforming and loading process and yeah they'd be able to have instant insights to their data and be able to drive conversation all right that, that's great th th thank you daniel um that was a good story so so pete can you tell us a story too absolutely um you know i i was lucky enough to get to work on a, a project with a, a global insurance company i mean one of the just a, an insurance company that reaches across the world and and with all types of different products you know life insurance property uh, things like that um, reinsurance which you know is another story you know has its own challenges for organizing data for analytics but um, this global insurance company with all these products they have a massive workforce tens of thousands of employees and that requires really unique solutions with 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 data analytics um, so many different types of roles so many you know salaries are, are a massive expense for the, for this company um, and so I needed to learn how vital it was for a company this size with, with this many employees across the world to aggregate their data um, and they needed to be able to do that um, easier and have a more uh, efficient time just inputting um, you know changes to workforce anytime somebody um, moved around in the company or new hires I mean these these things you know under under an old system would would take months for the for the data to be in the right place and and that left a lot of inaccuracies in their financial reporting just just based on internal um, costs um, so having to uh, create reports uh, create um, inputs for for their entire company across the across the, across the globe to look into simply ch making changes um, to their workforce so that the global company could could have accurate data on their entire workforce. Oh, that's a that's a great example, Pete. I mean, you know, workforce planning is one of those things that that I think a lot of you know people who don't have to do it think is really simple. You know, like you, you oh sure, you know, you you have to pay people, right? Um, but if you're a global company, as you said, with lots and lots of different, um, frankly, regulations, cultures, people around the world, benefits are different across the world. And if you're sort of, you know, at the top executive level and you want to get like a total overall picture of all of this, and you also want to enable managers across the world to plan in a consistent way, that's really a non-trivial analytics exercise, right? And I, I guess that's what one of the things that you gained a deeper appreciation for from this project. Absolutely, there's there's just there's so much there, and there's so much that needs to be accounted for. I mean, you mentioned a bunch with regulations and and benefits and things like that. Taxes is one massive thing that has right. to be considered. How different it is across across countries across the world, and um, just just there's there's so much to do. There's so much to see. Um, on both ends for, for when they make changes, you know, the, the inputs that, that different management is making across the world to, to make these changes, but then also the, the output on the other end, you know, how can um, those same managers see accurate data after it, it goes through kind of the data flow, the analytics process, um, you know, shortening that process is just vital for a company that size, um, get accurate data, you know, on a monthly basis. No, that's that that's really cool. Thank you, Pete.
So, Odile, um, tell me about a project you've worked on. So one of my first projects that I was on was for a tool and heavy equipment rental company. And uh, we started in the first phase was just a finance reporting model that needed to be created. They were going through a manual process that took between uh, 24 to 48 hours. And we were able to, you know, shorten that into a real time 15 to 30 minutes uh, procedure where their biggest issue was mainly about their core structures and the way how um, they all rolled up, but needing to see that data in multiple ways because outside of just their regular um, monthly uh, financials that they needed to see, having over 800 different store locations, that same data needed to be positioned in a different way so that uh, all store ops and uh, regional managers were able to take a look at what was going on. So I was able to um, learn from being on my team, uh, alternate hierarchies and being able to do uh, dynamic reporting, which you know ultimately saved them, along with uh, Qubit software as well to um, report work, being able to kind of come in and not just show uh, data on one specific level. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, we went into do finance reporting, but, you know, looking at the big picture and getting the requirements ahead of time, we were able to, to think, you know, further along for different phases um, on different ways that we'd be able to take that data and kind of, you know, turn it into multiple ways um, for that company. So um, that's my story. <laughs> no, that's really interesting as well. So, I mean, in some ways, it sounds like this was beyond just your typical, you know, sometimes when people say financial reporting, they're just thinking about the, you know, the income statement, the balance sheet, maybe some mm -hmm. cash flows. But it sounds like you were really getting into some some management reporting and, and operational reporting even, right. you know, especially when you start talking about alternate hierarchies, which is, um, you know, is one of those things that not every, you know, tool can support, but it's ways of looking at the same detailed data through, through different lenses. Um, exactly. Right. You know, so it could be, you could look at, you know, sales by geography, sales by, um, you know, department. Exactly. It could be that there's a different organizational structure by yeah. VP. Right. I'm making this up, but. Right. No, but that's exact. That's exactly the way how it was. I mean, uh, it's a national company, so having locations several different areas, and just the way how all the stores kind of rolled up into each other, is what you know um, created that area of having you know for them to have to create reports in that specific way. You know, a regional manager you know wants to see the stores that's within his area, but then you have store managers that just needs to see data specifically for their store. And right, right. How those things roll up all, you know, depends on the way how we're creating all of um, our dimensions within, within um, the model. Okay. No, that's great. Thank you. So on to my next question, um, which is, how have your views about how companies use analytics evolved since you started working at Qubit? So, for example, has anything surprised you about how analytics technologies, technologies are used or about what it takes to make a company successful? Or maybe you have other thoughts. 
So, so Pete, why don't you go first on this one? Absolutely. So I really like this question. I mean, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's funny to think about, um, you know, kind of starting a qubit here and, you know, just in the last few years and, you know, maybe AJ, you can give me a sense of, of how um, this makes sense from, from someone who's been in this field longer, but I came into the, my job at Qubit thinking that most of what um, our analytics, most of what general analytics was going to bring to a company, I, I thought that these were kind of a luxury um, for companies. And the more, the more companies I get to see um, and I get my hands on their models and I get to really work with their data, it's just, it's, it's, it's more clear to me that how necessary um, <laughs> these uh, systems are and these models and, and um, uh, you know, in this, in this day and age, I, you know, it's, and it's not just for, you know, big crazy things like, you know, Qubit has some predictive analytics products and it's not just that, but everyday financials with the size of companies and just, you know, like um, Odile and Daniel were talking about before with just, massive product lines and, and, and locations across the, the, the country and things like that. You just, there's so much input and there's so much data to, to analyze. And so there's so much output, there's so much more data to, that needs to be sifted through and, and how much guesswork can be done without real analytics is, is kind of staggering. So, you know, like I, like I said, I, I kind of took, took this job thinking that, you know, consultants like us were only hired in the capacity of, of, you know, not necessity, um, but, you know, I, I was, my, my thoughts have changed on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's a, that's an awesome observation. I, I, I love it, you know, and, and, you know, it's funny, um, you know, so, sometimes I feel like we need to wage a war on buzzwords, right? You know, because analytics in a way is sometimes a buzzword and it sounds good, but not everybody knows exactly what it means. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it is a necessity. And without analytics, without magic data, you know, it, companies have no way to make good decisions. Like, you know, analytics is the thing that enables you to know where you are, to, enable, to plan where you're going and to understand where you've been, right? If you don't have that, you're really flying blind. Yeah, absolutely. So Adil, um, how about you? How have your views um, about how companies use analytics evolved or, or maybe they haven't changed at all? So it's funny, you know, listening to you and Pete a second ago, I was nodding the entire time pretty much in agreement with how vital it is for companies to kind of know where they're coming from and where they need to go having some of a analytics background um, with the gaming industry, I was more focused on thinking of how companies needed to spend their time focusing on the products that they sell or the service that they're offering more than actually being into the finance side of things. So it's just interesting um, for me being with Qubit now and being on the other side of the seat and um, I even even in my past company too, uh, past job, I struggle with you know how a lot of a lot of employees just kind of became stuck to mundane tasks. You know they did it that way several years ago, and this just happens to be you know the way how we'll keep doing it, and not realizing that there are a lot of tools out there for them that just overall makes things easier. 
So um, I'm I'm very much surprised at um, how analytics have evolved in general and just where it's at today. No, that's um, you know that that that's a really um, thoughtful answer. Um, you know, one thing that I take away from from your answer also is, you know, how you're getting the opportunity to really broaden your understanding of businesses, right? So obviously, you knew quite a bit about marketing and 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 product, you know, positioning and so on before you came here. But now you're seeing another point of it, right? Another side of it, and and there are different sides of the same coin, right? I mean, you need all exactly. of exactly. Right, not just yeah. finance, not just marketing. Um, right, it needs to be an overall structure for sure. And um, the more that I think businesses are realizing the importance of it, is the more that they're actually moving in the direction to just find or use the tools that that happen to be out there. To be able to yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things that I, we don't really have time to discuss today, but but that you know is very interesting to me personally, but also you know to to how Qubit views analytics is, you know, this notion of, of integrated planning, you know, so, mm -hmm. so for example, um, integrating your operational plan with your financial plan, with your marketing plan. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you can tie all of these things together. So for example, you know, what impact would an increase in marketing spend have on your predictive demand? You know, uh, you know, there are all sorts of cool possibilities, some of which we're doing with some of our customers. Um, but you know, it, 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 you have to start somewhere, obviously. And um, you know, it's it's really exciting when we get a chance to help companies, you know, on that path and to create a roadmap to to take full advantage of everything. So, for sure. Anyway, th thank you for that answer. All right, Daniel. Last but not least, um, tell us about your evolution in analytics. Yeah, coming into Qubit, I I think analytics was one of those, you know in the cloud terms, uh, didn't really understand how to parse it. And uh, it sounds like it's very data-driven and I definitely come to, to agree with that. And it, it's, that's a good thing because um, businesses need to know, you know, where, where they're going uh, in a proactive and, you know, methodological manner. Uh, anywho, uh, so the amount of business cases for analytics, uh, there's, so there's so many you know methods to uh, implement it. Uh, one specific way is uh, that I've noticed is that people can adopt analytics in a way that suits them the best. So like if people want to use uh, Microsoft Excel, uh, there's uh, Microsoft host add-ins in which they can you know directly uh, fit right right into their uh, right into their Excel experience and, and kind of just augment that experience a bit to give them, you know, more capabilities when completing analysis, uh, or they can have a centralized tool, um, and, or they can have both. Um, you don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, get rid of Excel or necessarily um, have a centralized tool either. You can kind of have a mixture of both. And uh, yeah, I, I can appreciate that because uh, analytics can come to you. You don't have to come to it always. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know, that, that, that's a really, really great point because, you know, for all it's, you know, um, you know, sometimes it gets some bad press, but, but Excel is really a phenomenal analytics tool. And, um, you know, I love that you kind of uh, highlighted that because, you know, sometimes people, 
you know, focus a little bit on some of the challenges with Excel um, around things like data governance and controls and auditability. But when they're doing that, they're forgetting that, you know, business is really, um, you know, it's a creative human endeavor. And so you kind of need that flexibility to be able to model your business. But where Excel really, um, you know, can get into trouble is when you're really trying to scale it up to a big organization. Like if you're just a, you know, a two person business, you, you can do everything you need in Excel probably, um, or a lot of it. Um, but, um, you know, once you're tens of thousands of employees, you know, Excel is going to start to break, right? So, you know, and that's where augmenting it with a, with a central planning tool, as you say, but still retaining um, some of the benefits of Excel while having the central planning tool kind of serve almost like a database behind Excel, you know, you know it enables you to really get the best of all worlds. So, so I, li I like that notion of, you know, you don't have to go to the analytics, the analytics can come to you. That's a, that's a good tagline. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so for our final question, we, we always like to, you know, look for tips or tricks or advice or things to avoid, you know. So in this case, I'll phrase the question this way um, each, to each of you. Which advice would you give to someone at perhaps around the same stage of their career as you who's starting out with a business background, but who would like to get more relevant technical skills? So, Odile, why don't you go first this time? So, for me, with, with this question, it's a bit more difficult or maybe easier to answer, I guess, um, simply because coming from the business background and not having the technical skill, which has been, I would say, more, more of a challenge for me, that um, using uh, your resources, you know, having a good team, being able to reach out more to others, to be able to help you along the way, that's, that's pretty much the advice that I would give to anyone and myself because having others around you who can help guide you in that area of just understanding things just a little bit more and, and breaking things down on that technical level is, is always a good tool. So that's, that's my advice. No, I think that's really good advice. You know, I think sometimes people are, are really afraid to reach out even when there are resources available to them because they think they ought to know something. Right. Um, but um, but, you know, it's okay to not know things. <laughs> the point is, you know, to, to, to learn, right? And, um, and when people offer the help or if you're in an environment, and we try to do this at Qubit, obviously, in an environment um, where there is support available, um, you know, obviously, yes, you should try to figure things out to some extent, but you should definitely also take advantage of the support. So I, I think that's really good advice and it's kind of... Um, you know, you put aside your pride a little bit, right? Sure. Uh, and just uh, and just go for it. Oh, thank you, Odile. Um, how about you, Daniel? Yeah, so I'd give my myself if I go back in time. Uh, so yeah, coming from a business background and accounting, I, I think I had a bit more technical and business uh, experience. It was a good mix for my degree. Um, but it's all about understanding how. I guess you want to communicate 
yourself. So whether that's the, the role uh, you choose to be in, whether it's accounting or finance, um, it's all about how you want to, uh, you know, present yourself and, and communicate yourself uh, in the world. So our accountants, you know, they, they're where they sit in the value chain spectrum is, is kind of like on the value preservation side. And then on the finance, corporate finance side, we're, we're looking at value creation. And uh, for me, I was, I was really interested in the value creation piece and, you know, driving impactful decisions. Uh, and then those with, you know, uh, technical, technological skills of, with a little bit of curiosity, you, you can learn anything. Um, so uh, having the ability to kind of see where you want to be in, in the value chain and accounting and finance, uh, you can chart your own course and the technological tools and you know languages those those will come and you can learn those you can pick those up just take some effort and practice oh that that's um you know what daniel i i wish um you'd given me that advice when i was in my 20s i could have used it um <laughs> you know th this notion of 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 you know understanding the context around you right and and you know and understanding that you're you're part of a, a bigger system of of people doing things and 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 being mindful of that and and i guess you know um correct me if i'm wrong but that also leads you to thinking about the relationships that you build and the importance of those you know even in accounting and finance and technology relationships are still important it's not only something that salespeople should worry about correct uh, absolutely. Um, I think one of the best parts about the world of corporate finance and even accounting is you get to partner with the business. So people that don't, you know, directly work in the numbers every day, uh, you can uh, help them make better decisions by creating them a financial model or showing them how this account ties or, uh, you know, helping them understand what the mental model should be of their business. Uh, and given in, we're in the analytics field, we we're kind of automating some of that. And we can you know, teach them how to do it, or we can uh, really emphasize and, and partner with them to, to make the best decision possible. No, that, that, that's great. Thank you. All right. Last but not least, um, Pete, how about you? Do you have any advice for anyone? Of course, I'm full of advice. Um, <laughs> so, AG, you mentioned earlier, you know, buzzwords in, in this field. You know, analytics was, was one I think that we were talking about. And, you know, these are words that many people have no, you know, a lot of folks in business have no real definition of. And I have another one for you. It's data science and data scientists. And what, you know, what does that even mean? Um, and, and so my advice is to... Find a way to approach analytics scientifically, data science, you know, using that where it's not just, you know, looking at data, there, there's a real science behind it. And one example I can give is, you know, in order to see the big picture, you know, something I would, I would want to tell anybody, my early self or anyone starting out in analytics would be to kind of view analytics and data architecture, data science through the lens of, you know, the scientific process, you know, it's not just the technical skills, but um, becoming process oriented, you know, from, from, from the qubit perspective, you know, we're, we're developing analytics models and, and for us developing these models can follow the, those exact steps that you learn in the second grade when you plant the seed in a cup. Um, 
and you know, you, you, you start with a question, you know, the, the business problem, you know, what, what's the business problem that you can solve? And, and then your, your research, you know, what data do they have access to types, you know, how can they, you know, what, what is the company? How, how is their data coming together? And then, you know, you construct your hypothesis and that's how we do data architecture and, and, and that leads to, you know, testing and, and how we do prototyping and this iterative design. And that goes all the way through, you know, analyzing data and, and the results for the companies uh, to use. So um, I, I just think that this is good advice because it's the best way for, for me anyway to see the big picture. And you really never want to lose sight of it. It's so easy with, with, all, um, with, date, with so much data out there now to kind of lose the forest through the trees and seeing it through this kind of process really enables you to take um, every lesson learned along the way on each pro project and business problem in analytics and reapply them again and again um, in the future. Oh my goodness, Pete. I could not have wished for a better ending to this episode, a defense of the scientific method. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> my second grade science teacher really taught me well. <laughs> Well, thank you all three of you for joining me today and thank you to everybody who's taken the time to, to listen to us. Um, we really hope you, you know, learned something or at least um, were entertained for a short time. Thank you all. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you. Do you have anything you would like to ask Qubit about analytics? You can tweet us at AskQubit or email us at info at qubit.com. That's info at qubit.com. Until next time.